Hey there, it's John from the Open Door Church, and really excited to put this podcast out there because it is a sermon from the second Sunday of Advent by our brand new interim pastor, Reverend Doug Gephardt. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy this one, his very first sermon with us. And if you're looking for a place to worship uh, this Christmas, we have Christmas Eve worship at 6 p.m. at the Neighborhood Academy, which is in Stanton Heights, kind of border of Stanton Heights and Garfield. That's the Neighborhood Academy at 6 p.m. They have a great little chapel uh, inside that we use as our sanctuary on Sunday mornings, and they are allowing us to use it this Sunday night uh, for Christmas Eve. It'll be a family-friendly worship service. We'll have candles and some electric candles um, for the littler kids, um, and uh, lots of singing, and Doug will be sharing uh, a Christmas message with us. So please, come on out. Everyone is welcome. We'd love it if you would share this podcast um, with anybody who you think needs to hear it. So take a listen, think about who you might share it with, and uh, hopefully be in touch and come see us in person. Let's hang out. All right, here we go. We get to welcome Doug up to uh, read our New Testament passage and share our message today. So why don't you give a hand, Pastor Doug. With all these opportunities to meet me and eat, we will start our exercise regimen on January 1st. <laughs> Let's hear the gospel to, uh, to us this morning. comes from the gospel according to Mark. Beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair, the leather belt around his waist, and gave locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and tie the strap of the sandals. I baptize you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Dear God, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and fill them with love. Amen. My son Mac, who's 26, is an events chef in a local fine dining restaurant. 
when he began this work, he had been in the kitchen working on the log. I said, what's the hardest part of what you do? And without a bee, he said, mise en place. The preparation work, getting everything ready. He will oftentimes go into work five, six hours prior to the event to prepare for the event that might be a wedding, an anniversary, a birthday party, a shower. Making all that ready so that those folks can have a great time. It's necessary, but it's hard and it's stressful. I'll tell you this story because we are now in the second week of Advent, which is a season of preparation. We remember the birth of Jesus, and we prepare to once again relive that birth. And we anticipate the world that's promised to come in the new age. We reach back into our memory and relive the awe and the wonder at the birth of Jesus. And we look forward, look forward and hope for God's promised new world to come. It's kind of like mise en place in the kitchen. It's a season of preparation that can be hard and stressful, but all can be very satisfying. And we are aware, I think, that spiritual prep work takes practice, patience, and perseverance. I think of John's baptism as a spiritual reason plus, prep work, preparing the people for God's anointing to be amongst them. John was very careful to remind people, I am not that one, I am pointing to the one who is coming. That was prep work because they might have followed him as a savior instead of Jesus. And God's chosen would, in fact, embody and show the world what divine love is all about. A love that embraced all people and all of God's creation. John's baptism wasn't really something new. It was part of the Jewish ritual of both giving to converts, showing their union with the, the community, and for purification. They would be immersed in water, in the living waters of God, and they would be purified and cleansed from their sins. What made his baptism unique is this. It was union not just with the community, it was union with Jesus, the Son of God. And to repent, we would remember the Hebrew word shuv, which means to turn around, and the New Testament word metanoia, which means new mind. We are cleansed from our sins, we're not clinging to the past, and we're preparing for this new adventure with Jesus. John in essence is saying, just wait until you see what's coming. Why do we need to prepare? Because Jesus' baptism was with the Spirit of God. It's more than just a sense of personal holiness. It was union with God's Spirit. Union with the creative force of the whole cosmos. Joined with Christ in his ministry of love, peace, and justice. The universal love. The universal justice. When we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, we, don't, or we aren't pulled out of the world. Rather, we are sent into the world to be God's mission. We're free from serving our personal wants in order that we can be free to serve those who are in want in the world. We're reminded that it's the Holy Spirit is the motivating force to live in right relationship with all of God's people and God's creation. John and Jesus don't make so much of a break as a continuity with the past as they lead towards the future. They're in line with the ancient prophets of Israel, especially Isaiah. Remember that time when the prophets and God's people faced consequences for their oppression of the poor and the weak. And judgment of the leaders who corrupted the judicial system. 
and the punishment for the king who made military treaties with foreign nations in order to stave off the invasion. They were exiled. They took the homeland, moved to the land of Babylon, and for 50 years there they lay by the river. Would there only be any hope? And we read today, yes, there was. God would eventually return Israel to their home. Like their ancestors, they remembered the exodus. They remembered their ancestors' exodus from the land of Egypt into a promised land. And they would journey home once again to Jerusalem through the Romans. In the wilderness, John reminds us of both that exodus and exile. Wilderness is a place where we're totally dependent on God. Wilderness is a place where we're isolated and vulnerable. Wilderness is a sacred space where God's people can be experienced transformation. The Danish theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. I remember the words of the great philosopher Fred Rogers. You remember Trolley? He always pointed out to kids that Trolley would go backwards and forwards, not out of a magical sense. People control going backwards and forwards. During Advent, we look back, but we also look forwards. We look back and remember the birth of Jesus, and we look forward to God's promised new world. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. September 3rd of 1967 was known as H Day in Sweden. It's the day that Sweden switched from driving on the left side of the road to going to the right side of the road. H is the first letter of the Swedish word that means right side. After many years of this debate and discussion, it was eventually approved to do this. It was a year-long campaign to public relations campaign to prepare the Swedes for this switch. It's reported that all kinds of merchandise was produced, hats, shirts, and underwear. Ah, <laughs> uh, those Swedes. I love them. Approximately 350,000 signs had to be removed or placed, 20,000 in Stockholm alone. On the day of the switch, all traffic was shut down in Sweden from 1 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, it happened. Very few accidents were reported, and those that were reported were minor. Why? Because it was credited with all the advanced preparation for this day that the Swedes had undergone. Think of a change of direction change of mind, this kind of change entailed. Now, during Advent, we're invited to change direction and change our mind. Maybe not as physically or logistically challenged as H day, but certainly spiritually transformative. Advent was originally created to be sort of a mini-Lent, a season of self-reflection, repentance, and acts of giving ourselves to others. It's a season of changing our direction in life. For weeks, we remember and relive Jesus' birth, and we anticipate what's to come. Creation restored, the world's people brought to peace, <coughs> the lion and the lamb eventually lying down together. And in Advent, we can adopt practices that prepare us for Emmanuel, God with us. But we didn't need to make those up. You certainly are aware of them. The practices are an open door. Where you seek to live in the way of Jesus by practicing Simple weekly rhythms. Listen to God, learn from God, eat with others, encourage others, give others, give ourselves to the world. 
It's like any other practice that an athlete or a musician might entail and engage in to get themselves ready for what's to come. These spiritual practices are meant to shape our behaviors and our attitudes. These are practices that are meant to shape us into being more like Jesus. These exercises get us in shape to serve others as Jesus did. There was a book that was published in 1995 called Soul Feast by Marjorie Thompson, who was a Presbyterian minister and author. It changed a lot of people's lives by just recognizing that we Presbyterians have a history of spiritual practices that we have forgotten. They turned really the world around in the Presbyterian world tremendously. At the time, she, Marjorie Thompson defined spirituality as this, the universal capacity to receive, reflect, and respond to the Spirit of God. It points to the choices of belief, value, commitments, patterns of life, and the practice of faith that allow Christ to be formed in us. That's what Martin Luther might call Christians as little Christs. And during Advent, I invite you. I invite you to re-engage those practices that you're so familiar with and use them for the season of preparation this Advent. I think it's pretty providential that I would start my work with you during Advent. Because interim work is prep work. I'll be helping you as a congregation prepare for the calling of a new pastor. Part of the prep work? Making sure your vision is clear and you know where God is leading you. Making sure that your mission is aligned with your vision, what you will do to match up with that. Do you have adequate financial sources for long-term ministry mission? And I'll also ask some big questions, sometimes hard questions, things that we don't want to talk about. What isn't bearing fruit that needs to be pruned? Are people stuck from unresolved issues from the past? Is it time to think about a more permanent place? Back to my favorite theologian, Fred Rogers. We can control whether we travel backward or forward in life. Now, I'm not here to prepare you for a savior. That's already been done. Because your next pastor will not solve your problems. That's something the community will work on together. What he will do is prepare you for honest self-examination so that you can be confident who you are, where God is leading you, and help you fulfill God's mission as the open door church. There's one sentence in all of scripture that defines the role of pastor. It's in the letter to the Ephesians, and it says the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. As your interim pastor, I won't do your work. I will equip you for you to do your work. My son Mac, every once in a while, will drop by the house, because he also lives in Switzerland. After the evening, if it's been done early, just to shoot the breeze, and sometimes we'll give him a care package so we won't have to make food after he's been at the restaurant. He dropped by last week and told us, uh, well, it's an interesting story. There was a gathering of a group of psychologists at the restaurant. And he had prepared everything, and he needed the breather. So he stepped outside just to get a breath of fresh air. And shortly after he stepped outside, one of the participants in this gathering also walked outside. A middle-aged woman decided that she was going to have a smoke. He said she was obviously a little tipsy because she started throwing shade at all the people who were inside the building. Talking about what this colleague looked like and what she or he said. 
And I couldn't believe it, but when you're in the restaurant business, you see all kinds. Shortly after she started talking, one of Mac's co-workers, Michael, stepped outside to chat with Mac, but engaged, was engaged in this conversation about hearing about all these bad things these people were doing. Michael reached into his pocket, pulled out a kazoo, and just offered some music. <laughs> the woman stopped dead in what she was doing, put her cigarette on the ground, stamped it up, and huffed it, and went inside. <laughs> My son Mac said, Michael, do you always carry a kazoo? <laughs> Michael's reply was, yes, Mac, for occasions just such as this. <laughs> John the Baptizer, I think, is God's kazoo. He gets our attention. He disrupts the mundane stuff that we're doing. Now, I think in a subtle kind of way, John invites us to sing a song that the ancient church has sung throughout the ages. It's a song of hope, a song of expectation. It's a song that we will sing when we gather to Lord's table. It goes like this. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. May we all sing this song as we begin our interim work together. And let us pray. Thanks for listening in to this uh, second Sunday of Advent podcast. Hope you'll join us on Christmas Eve. And we'll have one more podcast coming out this week uh, before Christmas. And it will be from our third Sunday of Advent. We did uh, Lectio Divina, which is kind of a prayerful, contemplative reading of Scripture. So we'll be releasing that. I'll be releasing that here in the next day or so. And uh, keep an eye out for that. Follow us. If you're listening to this on Podbean, you can follow us on almost any um, uh, streaming podcast streaming platform. I use Apple Podcasts. You can find the Open Door podcast on there. Um, come join us for Christmas Eve worship, 6 p.m.